Hello, welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, and human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now, here's your host, two-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kosowski. Hello, everyone. It's Deborah Kosowski here with the Millionaire Woman Show, talking about topics of leadership, business, and your potential. Today, I have a special guest I'm so excited to introduce to you, owner and president, Sharon McGrill, author of newly released Downsizing the Silver Tsunami, Who to Call and Where Does the Stuff Go? A Guide to Going Through the Moving Process. The book was created to help 76 million baby boomers in the United States who will face the need to move or downsize in the coming year. The Betty Brigade is proud to have corporate relationships with Corrigan Moving, Bodman Law, Glacier Hill Senior Community, Old National Bank, amongst others, and has a social media reach of nearly 100,000. Additionally, the Betty Brigade was named the Affiliate of the Year by Ann Arbor Area Board of Realtors in 2014. Betty Brigade's personnel include professionals in organizing, home project management, and staging, and they are bonded and insured, and all team members come with background checks at local, state, and federal levels. The future is bright and plans are underway um, to license Betty Brigade nat- nationwide, which is huge. And uh, to learn more about the company and our interview today is www.bettybrigade.com. Welcome, Sharon. I'm so excited to have you here on the show. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Us, I'm delighted to be here. Oh, Tell us about the journey and how Betty Brigade came, came into concept. Well, uh, I used to work in corporate life, and uh, I, like many, many people across the planet, got downsized from my corporate job, and me and 70 people got let go all at once, and it was really painful, so I was feeling sorry for myself, laying on my couch, uh, (laughs) watching Oprah, and (laughs) she was having one of those live your best life shows, and so I um, made a list of, because it was all about people who uh, were starting their life over, trying something new, and and so from there, I uh, made a list of what I was good at and things that I knew how to do. So those are actually two separate lists, things that you're good at, things that you know how to do. And uh, cause I'm good at stuff that I don't really like doing and, uh, and vice versa. And that was kind of how the company got started. Wow. And who do they help? Um, so we help all different kinds of people. Um, we help just busy professionals, but we uh, focus on seniors. And the and the book, the new book that's coming out, um, it is launching February fifth on Kindle and uh, February nineteenth on in print version. And you can get it on Amazon. Just go there. Uh, that is really specifically geared towards baby boomers and their adult children, um, because there it there is just this literally silver tsunami and if you don't know what that means it's like a huge wave 
of people um, that are aging all at the same time, and they are the baby boomers. And yeah. their stuff is going to fill up everywhere. <laughs> so when does someone really need to call Betty Brigade? Because I know that there's, you know, the downsizing. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people are at this time of year, especially are into the declutter mode. When, mm -hmm. when do they need to call you? So um, calling us, the best time to call us is when you're feeling overwhelmed. Like um, if you don't know where to start, if you feel like, oh my gosh, there's just too much stuff, too many years of stuff, too, too many decisions to make, uh, that would be a good time to call us to get us involved early. Um, or if you maybe have gotten partially, you know, you've started your downsizing process and then you got stuck. Um, it, that would also be a good time to call us. Uh, and we have all the time have um, folks call us where the family says, well, you know what? We've removed all the stuff we want, but we want you to come in and take care of the rest. Could you do that? And we do that too. So what, you've probably faced so many different situations and different homes, um, yeah. probably many stories now. Oh, so many stories. <laughs> what, what truly constitutes as hoarding? Um, so hoarding is actually a clinical um, diagnosis. And, um, and how do you know the difference between a hoarder and a compulsive shopper? Well, they're often, they could often be the same person. Um, how we tell the difference internally is that... <coughs> oh, careful. Um, how we tell the difference internally is that... <sighs> If you can see most of the floor in most of the rooms, then chances are it is not a hoarding situation. If the, if the homeowner will allow you to let things leave the house fairly easily without too much argument, it's probably not a hoarding situation. Um, it's probably just someone who has gotten overwhelmed by their stuff, but they, and they don't know how, you know, how to deal with it all, but, um, but it may look like a hoarding situation because there's just a ton of stuff inside the house. Um, and um, and I, I mentioned compulsive shopping because hoarders are all often compulsive shoppers. They often buy things, the same things over and over and over again because they can't find what they need. Um, and before I, because uh, there's always somebody in the crowd says, well, I buy the same thing all the time anyway and I'm not a hoarder, yes. That's true. Um, you might be, uh, you might just have hoarding tendencies, and there, it's kind of, it's a spectrum. Um, there are people that are savers, and there are people that are hoarders, and and there's there is a spectrum in there. So, how do you help people release things? So, you know, we hear about the uh, Marie Kondo stuff going on right now with everybody. Like, you know, does it bring me joy and get rid of it if it doesn't? What is your approach, your unique approach to helping people depart with and downsize? I'm so glad you brought up the KonMari method because um, I've watched those shows and I, and I do admire her. I think that she does have um, a certain niche. However, um, it's not realistic for most people to touch every single thing in their house. Um, that, that itself becomes an overwhelming process and they shut down. So... Um, where we start is with the low-hanging fruit. We start with the things that um, easily are transported away, trash, broken things, um, things that need to be repaired. We actually get them repaired, uh, those types of things. And then we also 
um, work in areas where the, the homeowner feels overwhelmed, like garages, basements, attics, the places where stuff kind of goes away to be stored and it, those areas fill up. Um, so, uh, so when we start with those areas, it often feels like if we can make a huge dent in a basement or a huge dent in a garage, the homeowner feels like the rest of the house is downhill from there because it, or, or, and I don't mean downhill in a bad way. I mean, downhill, like going down on a sled, like it's easier um, because it, it just makes the process go smoother because you've already accomplished the hard thing and now everything else feels easier. So in, in response to your, does it bring joy? Well, we do ask our clients, um, do they love it? Is it something that they would really genuinely miss? Um, and here's, here's the caveat. Like there are lots of things where we're going through a home and the, and the homeowner says, oh my gosh, I totally forgot I had that. And so if they forgot they had it, chances are it doesn't bring joy. Mm. I don't no longer need it. Correct. Yeah. So where do you start? Where do you start when you start in a home? I know, you know, some people put the pile of the mountain of every single piece of clothing you got. Um, but do you have a special place that you start? Well, and, and again, we have walked into those homes, those, those Conmari homes where there is nowhere to sit. You can't, there's not a clear surface. There's not a clear pathway because there's so much, everything has been pulled out of the cupboards and it's like, wow. oh my gosh. And, um, and so that itself, just walking into it is overwhelming. And, and we have had to clear that up um, when people have read the book and gotten overwhelmed by it or, or watched the show and gotten overwhelmed by it. So where do we start? We start with the area that the client will see um, or feel the most um, the most relaxation from accomplishing it. So if it's, if it's the basement that's really jammed full of stuff, then that's where we start. If it's wintertime and, um, uh, and they can't park in their garage, we find a way to get them into the garage. Now that that's always weather dependent because we're, I mean, like right now in Michigan, it's, um, very, very, very cold. And so we're not going to work in anybody's garages right this time of year. Yeah. So has there ever been a job that you've turned down? Oh, we turn down jobs all the time. Um, and it's primarily around, is the client willing to let us come in and help them make decisions? Because one of the things that happens is that folks, um, they, they've watched an organizing show or two and they think they know how it goes. Um, and so they want to be a part of every single decision. And that's not always realistic. Um, what we ask is for people to kind of identify large categories of things that they absolutely want to keep. Like, I really want to keep all my Disney collectibles, or I really want to keep all of my Fiesta Wear plates, or something like that. And so then we gather those things and put them all in one spot. Um, and we call it putting like with like. Um, so that the, the homeowner can see everything they have. And this is similar to the KonMari method where you're gathering all the stuff so people can see everything. But, but what we're doing is then saying to the client, if you haven't touched this in a year or two years, let's help you sell it. Um, if it is saleable, um, let's help you find it a new home that is outside the borders of your home. 
And that way it can bring someone else more joy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It really can. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, yeah, that's an important piece of this is that just because it's in your house doesn't mean it's special to you. Exactly. Exactly. So what have been some of the more challenging obstacles that Betty Brigade has faced? And what are some of those solutions? Oh, more challenging obstacles. Well, um, working with hoarders is probably at the top of our list in terms of most challenging. And we're, we're working with a hoarder right now who is using her five-bedroom house as a storage unit. She also has three additional storage units um, that outside of the house. So, um, so the, the, her challenge was that it, it took her a year to say yes to us. We did the consultation and it took her a year to, to come on board. We didn't think she was going to, but what really prompted her was that her, her daughters had stopped talking to her and, um, she could no longer see her grandchildren because her daughters did not feel like her grandchildren were safe around her because even just being with um, their grandmother in a neutral space, grandma would bring, the hoarder would bring all of these things that she wanted to gift the grandchildren. And the mothers were like, no, you don't get to bring this stuff into my house. And so it just became like, no, we're, we're stopping all contact. And so she hadn't talked to her daughters in almost two years when we started the process. And about two weeks when we um, into uh, starting to clear out her home, um, her daughters did come back around and did become actually quite involved in the process and made it go smoother for us. So, um, so difficult situations, there's, you know, again, varying degrees. Um, I had a lady who one time, this was years ago, um, she was moving from Michigan to Arizona and her husband gave her a year to make decisions about what she wanted to keep and she of course decided nothing because she right. had hoarding tendencies she wasn't an actual hoarder yeah. and um and so she's moving to arizona and there was we we uh let go of some of her winter coats and she um i i just remember and i probably will never forget this her standing in her driveway screaming at the top of her lungs that we had let go of her winter coats even though she was moving to arizona and um not that it doesn't get cold in Arizona, I'm sure it does, but it doesn't get Mich it doesn't get Michigan cold in Arizona. Yeah. So, um, so it, she was taking out her grief and her anger at her husband for moving and for having her make those decisions on me because I was safe. Yeah. Um, she didn't have to live with me. She didn't have to be married to me. She didn't have to sleep in the same bed with me. Um, so that was a a place for her to direct her anger and her frustration. And, um, and so sometimes that kind of stuff comes out on us. And my team is actually trained to, to kind of deflect that and, and let that go and, and to take on our responsibility when we really do have responsibility in the matter, but to let it go when it's not, it's not really our anger. So do you have people with mental health training as well on your team to help support? Because you can change the situation, but how do we get them from not right. doing it again? Right. And that's actually a great point. And so my team are not trained in mental health. They are not trained. They are trained on how to deal with stuff and how to work with people in a customer service uh, perspective. But when we're working with somebody like a hoarder that needs additional mental health 
um, help, we do have a couple of resources. We have um, we have a local uh, a therapist that works specifically with hoarders and compulsive shoppers and, and can meet with people one-on-one -on -one in person in their homes. And then we also have um, a, a therapist that can work remotely. So people can meet with them on their computer um, anywhere in, in the world and set up those appointments. Um, Wow. So that somebody is working with them with what's going on between their ears, because that's really um, when people are a hoarder, it's about the stuff and it's not about the stuff. Yeah. And so, um, so you have to walk a fine line there. So there's so many things about, you know, getting organized, tidying, the downsizing, like uh, your new book is coming out with. What are some of the key things to help people get organized? Do they need to get organized before you, <laughs> before you come? Like, you know, I know a lot of people, I'm like, oh, the cleaners are coming. I have to clean this up before they come. And I'm like, is that what people have to do when they work with you? Well, actually, um, and by the way, I have cleaners and I do pick up before my cleaners come because I want them to actually clean the dining room table. I don't want them to just move my stuff around. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that there's some, there's some, you know, gradations in there. Um, however, people do not have to prepare to work with us. Uh, what we require is we require, especially in the beginning, an active decision maker, because we need somebody who can help us kind of figure out what direction. Um, and often we are working. So when we're working with some of the corporations that we work with, um, maybe the person that, um, whose home we're working in is deceased. Um, and so we're working with a, a trust officer or an attorney or a financial advisor to help um, them liquidate that and get things to family members. So sometimes we're working from a list that the family wants um, and, and getting them those items and finding personal memorabilia, finding things in the house that the family wants to keep. Um, however, uh, the, the point here is that uh, it's really... Um, oh, Deborah, I forgot the question. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I just, you know, we have so many like preparing ahead of time um, to for you to come in. Is there anything oh. that people need to do? Right. So no, really not much. Um, it's helpful. Usually when we do the consultation, we give them a stack of post-it notes um, so that they can walk through their home and tag items ahead of time. Um, and we just ask people to either keep it, to write keep, or don't keep. And th that's the only variation. We don't need them to decide if it's going to donation or if it's going to be resold. That's not, um, that's our job because we know what donation centers want. Um, and they are filling up, by the way, donation centers are filling up. Um, and I don't know if you saw, there was actually a story um, that, uh, when Marie Kondo's, uh, uh, when her, her Tidying Up show launched uh, right after New Year's Eve, um, all these people started organizing their houses and donation centers got overwhelmed. And, um, and so that is actually what is happening with the baby boomers is that donation centers are filling up and getting overwhelmed by all the stuff that is coming their way. So if you are saving something because you think it has value, um, the only reason you should be keeping it um, is if you really love it or if it has sentimental value. Excellent. So what would be some helpful organization tips that you can offer 
our listeners and viewers? Well, there's always, like, it depends on which room we're working in, but let's start with something that almost everybody has, like a desktop. Um, so desktops get cluttery and, uh, and people just kind of pile stuff on. So one of the things I always recommend is the hot, medium, and cold method. Um, if something is hot, it means that you need to uh, touch it, sign it, pay it within 24 to 48 hours. It's something that you need to address right away. So those are the kinds of things that I put right on my keyboard or right on my chair. So when I sit down at my desk, I know, I, okay, I got to take care of this right away. I can't leave my, my office until this gets handled. Um, the next category is a much bigger category. It's called the medium category. And those are things that are bills coming up, uh, things that you, maybe you need to write a proposal. Maybe you need to um, create some kind of um, something for someone. And, uh, and so those are, those are much further out. Um, and, it, and so you can, it, those are in the like week to two week range. Um, most bills that we get are in the week to two week, week range. Um, and then uh, stuff that is in the cold category are, think about it this way, if you never get to it, nothing bad will happen. So it's books you want to read, it's articles you want to read, it's websites that you want to visit, it's um, creating a travel file, it's all of those things that are on your bucket list that if you don't get to it, like it's not going to be upsetting, maybe to you internally a little bit, but um, I actually put my cold stuff on Sundays. Um, and so I have a stack of books or a stack of magazines that I look at on Sundays and kind of go through that on a regular basis so that um, I am managing through them, but if I don't get to them, if I just want to sit and, and binge on Netflix, big deal. Great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. So when it comes to downsizing, let's get deep into your book here. Um, when it comes to the downsizing, <laughs> what are some of the things that people need to consider when they're thinking about downsizing? Well, um, so the first is, are you moving or are you not moving? Um, because that does make a difference. Um, if you are moving, then you need to know where you are moving to and when you are moving there. So, um, so if you've decided you're moving and actually like taking that big step, um, you have to know the size of the location you're moving into because you can't decide what you're taking until you know if there's enough room for the, the stuff you want to take. And people tend to take too much stuff. Um, so that would be step one. Um, and then what is the timeline? And then working backwards from that end date. And we actually have right in the back of the book, uh, we have a timeline. Um, I don't have it uh, bookmarked here, but it's right at the end. Um, and it starts with as soon as you know you're moving, um, there's a list of things you can do. And then six months out, three months out, uh, one month out, two weeks before you move, the week before you move, the day of the move. So it kind of breaks it down um, and gives some very specific uh, Betty Brigade centric lists of how do you handle a move. Excellent. So there's checklists inside? There is. Um, the other, um, and, and you can always, we have checklists on our website too. So people can just go get a checklist. That's fine. We, we do ask you to give us your name and your email, but we don't spam you. We promise. And, 
And so if you just need a checklist, we, we're happy to send that to you. Uh, if you're organizing and you just are thinking about like creating space, in your house, then it's a different timeline. And, um, and so we're really talking to you about what kind of space you wanna create, how do you want to live inside the space that you already have, and what is working and what is not working. Because knowing those two things makes a difference uh, in how you approach a particular room. What have you noticed, or what are some of the client testimonials that you've had from, you know, from really people looking at the purpose and function of their space to how they want to feel when you're all done? Well, so everybody reacts differently and, um, and death, divorce, and moving are the three most stressful things that you can have happen in life. And often we are working with people who have had a death in the family and they're moving because of it. And so when you're working with two of the three most stressful things, we're working with stressed out people. That's, that's kind of where we are. And so our team knows how to manage that and really to um, take them through the process of um, making sure that it all works. Okay. Makes sense? It, it is, yeah, it's just definitely a challenging time. So where did the concept of downsizing the silver tsunami come from? Um, well, it really, um, it's an industry term. So if you work inside uh, the senior industry, which Betty Brigade, that's part of our clientele, um, we work with lots of uh, senior communities and, um, and different folks that work with the aging adult population, uh, then uh, the silver tsunami has been a term that has been around for about five or six years. And um, and it's just, it's the baby boomers that are aging. So silver, silver hair. Um, and uh, yeah, and they're, they're all downsizing at once. I think that there's, uh, there's statistics, but yes, 76 million people are in the process of downsizing over the next 10 years. And where, and where does, like you said, all those donation centers are getting filled up. What are yep. we doing with that, right? They're getting pickier and pickier. So what's, what's kind of crazy is you can, if you are a secondhand shopper and you enjoy secondhand shopping, you can pick up some amazing stuff at donation centers now. And over the next 10 years, it's just going to get better and better because their donation centers don't want stuff with a missing handle or with water rings on the top or that has a wiggly leg. They just won't even take that stuff anymore. That's just not even part of the conversation. Wow. They're, they're going to be overfilled. And, you know, I can see multiple businesses coming from those, not just donation centers, but people having secondhand shops and, mm -hmm. and stuff and uh, new businesses popping up just because of those, right? Absolutely. And what, what we're finding is that when donation centers are saying no to those things, some of it is perfectly good, solid furniture. It's not beautiful, but it's perfectly good. And so we've been working with, um, with churches and homeless shelters to help set people up that are really needy, that don't care if there's a water ring, they don't care if it's missing a drawer pull, um, or don't care if, like, if we can put another drawer pull on, but they don't all match. They don't care. They're just happy to have a dresser. Um, so those are the kinds of things that we have, you know, we've taken that next step to say, all right, so if a donation center won't take it, who would take it? 
um, uh, and we're working with um, groups that are settling refugees. We're working with, um, like I said, homeless shelters or people who have had disasters where they've lost everything um, and had a fire or a flood in their home. And they're grateful. So, so that kind of stuff is not going in the junk pile as much as we can help it. So Sharon, what I'm finding is very unique about Betty Brigade because I, what I've heard in your conversation, there might be something that someone might want to keep, but it needs fixing that you guys help them get that arranged. And now hearing about, you know, pieces that other people don't want that how you're helping the community and really um, setting yourself apart in the marketplace. Cause that's not the piece that I hear. I hear the people go in, get the stuff out. Um, but this extension of yourself, really does make you stand out in the marketplace. Well, what thank you the, for, yeah, go ahead. What is the future for Betty Brigade? Like it's just expanding in so many different ways of what's possible. Well, thank you. Thank you for noting that. And we do actually pride ourselves in that we help our clients sell things, donate things, and find homes for stuff that they wouldn't normally find homes for. Um, so that's a big part of it. We've won three recycling awards in our community, and it is just a part of our corporate culture to recycle as much as we possibly can because we want to be, um, we want to just be responsible corporate citizens. That's, that's who we are. Um, we don't, we don't want to pollute the planet. So, um, so what does that look like? Well, it means that we are expanding across the US and we are looking for folks that are interested in doing this kind of work and interested in possibly purchasing a license um, to start a Betty Brigade in their market. And I don't wanna go too far into that because um, the folks that are called to do it are absolutely called to do it and they will contact me. So what makes a good Betty? Oh, <laughs> well, you got to have a good sense of humor, let me tell you, because um, <laughs> sometimes um, the situations are really tough and you really, um, if you don't laugh, you would cry. So, uh, so a good sense of humor, definitely somebody who is great at working with people and somebody also who can look at the big picture and then help figure out what are all the moving pieces in a particular project because we approach things from a project management point of view. It's not just about emptying a house. It's about bringing in vendors to help repair things, um, to help sell things to, um, even realtors to help, um, sell their home to movers to help get things moved like we're bringing in all of the pieces for every homeowner whatever they need and we specialize each project um, for that particular homeowner so um, so that's kind of the the difference yeah. and um, and so what makes a good Betty um, lots of things make a good Betty, but we love people who have worked in restaurants because they're really good at multitasking. We love moms that have run households that are maybe have adult children or, or their kids are growing up and don't need babysitting and, and uh, they know how a house runs. And we love college students that have lots of energy and, um, and they're, they're strong and, and want to get paid to work out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's some lifting to be there and help making decisions as well. Yeah. So what's one of the most unusual jobs that you've ever had? Oh, there is not one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I but I will tell you that we do have um, so we do have a hashtag that we regularly contribute to called um, it's on Twitter it's hashtag weird things we find and and so we we do snap some pictures of odd things that we've seen in people's households it's all very anonymous 
So there is no way to tell whose house that is. Yeah. Um, but, but we do see some odd things. And maybe, I don't know, one of the more unusual jobs we had was a couple of summers ago, we, um, we had a 5,000 square foot home, which is a big, big house, and it had four hoarders living in it. And there were chickens, there were dogs, there was a cat, there was, um, these people were wine importers in, in, our, in the city. And so there was over 400 cases of wine that were taken out of the house in two separate wine cellars that were sold to a wine broker. Um, it, was, it was very unusual and there was a lot of moving pieces to this one. Wow. And, and um, yeah, and one of, one of the sisters um, got angry with us um, because we, she was one of the active hoarders and we were clearing out the freezer and we accidentally threw away her cannabis butter. So, um, <laughs> whoops. Is that one of the um, weirdest things you found? No, that is not the weirdest thing we found, but, but, um, but 400 and, 400 and some cases of wine is kind of an unusual one. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. How for the weirdest? What is the weirdest thing you've ever found? Oh, I can't talk about it here because it has to do with sex toys. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Let me right along. No. <laughs> wow. We see a lot of stuff. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine because, you know, when we live our own lives, we think that everybody lives like us until we get put in situations when we're like, um, no, not everybody does live like us. Nope. Nope. And there are hoarders everywhere. So if you don't think that there's a hoarder in your neighborhood, you're probably wrong. Wow. Wow. What is one of the greatest business lessons you have learned while growing Betty Brigade? Business lessons. Um, I think to, um, to keep going, to, to persevere, um, because it's not, um, in the beginning, when you start any business, it's hard. Um, there's not a lot of business. You, you know, most people are not in that um, jump into their business and they're, and they're profitable. Most people are not. I mean, there's always exceptions, of course. And so um, persevering, it really took us um, several years before we really kind of got traction and started really making money. And now we have um, two full-time administrative assistants that run the office. Uh, and we have a team of 10 Bettys that are out working in the field. Um, we opened up a handyman division. So um, I think, you know, plan, you can plan as much as you want, but the universe is always going to throw you a curveball. So it doesn't matter what you plan because like, there's going to be energy out there that says, no, you're going to go over here now. And, and so um, you, can, you can make plans and you can create goals. And I think that those are important, but be flexible. That's another, that's another really good business overall kind of strategy. And during your process of growing the business, did you have doubters? Did you have people questioning what you were doing? Um, yeah. And the biggest one was probably me. Um, I was, I, of course, outwardly, I had to say, come on team, let's go. And inwardly, I, I would wake up some mornings and I would say, really, is this, is, is this really the, the path that I'm supposed to be taking? And um, we're going into our 16th year, it'll be 16 years in March. And um, so I think that, you know, yes, I, I think that 
everybody has doubters. Um, there's always going to be a naysayer. Uh, and I say, follow what you need to do that make it, that makes it work for you. And I also had coaches and mentors around me that I hired that really helped me, including you, Deborah. I, that session that we did together, I still remember that. It just makes my heart happy. Um, but the but the things that um, that come up, it's going to be different at every phase. And one of my favorite business mentors, um, Ari Weinswig, who owns Zingerman's uh, here in Ann Arbor, it's a they have almost 900 employees, and he says, every business has problems. You just get better problems. That's a good approach. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you have that doubt, at the same time as having doubt, did you also have an inner knowing that you were on the right path onto something? Some days, yes. Some days, <laughs> some days there were lots of tears and, and head banging and thinking, okay. And I always think of that, um, I don't know if you've ever seen that image where the guy is like tunneling and he's like this far from getting to the room with all the riches and, um, and he's ready to give up. Like, that's what I always think of when I'm about to give up, like, how close am I really? And, um, and one of the things that you can kind of use to, to guide that or gauge that inside yourself is um, when things get easier, um, that you're, you're in the flow of the universe, right? Yeah. And things are moving right ahead. But when, um, when the problems come up, that's really where the lessons are. And so that's where you look at kind of what's going on and say, okay, what could I have done differently? How could we improve that process? What is it about this that triggered me? Um, whatever it is that's happening in that particular moment or that particular situation, there's always a lesson to be learned. Yeah. Thank you for that powerful message because I know you know people are on the show for learning about the life lessons as well as some leadership lessons and you know running a team especially. Some and when and when you're in it, when when you're deep in that problem or deep in that situation, sometimes it's really hard to look at. Oh, what am I supposed to be learning here? Sometimes you're just like, oh, screw this. So, <laughs> yeah. So what would be one of the one piece of advice you would want to give somebody either starting a business or who maybe has been in a business about five years and they're still not getting the traction that they, they want yet. Um, so if you can, um, I wish, I wish I had done this in the beginning. Um, and I didn't, but I do now. Um, I kept saying things like, oh, well, I can't afford a coach or I can't afford to go to that seminar or I can't afford to, um, to do that whatever it is to, to help get me to the next level. And I wish that I had done that differently. I wish that I had invested in myself earlier. Um, now I do that all the time and I, and I go to seminars, I go to conferences. Um, and, and because if you, can, if you can learn from somebody who has already been there and they can say, okay, watch out for this and you'll feel like this, um, or you can pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, I'm stuck. Can you talk me off this ledge? Um, that is just amazing to be able to do that. And it gets you through whatever situation you're in 10 times faster. So, um, so I call it failing faster. Um, yeah. You're still going to fail. Everybody fails. 
um, especially if you are if you've been in business for any amount of time there's going to be failures but if you can fail faster and get through it quicker um, and learn from it then you're gonna be better for it and you won't do it again hopefully and failure is a lot more common than people think Oh, for sure. <laughs> More sometimes than the successes, I would have to say. <laughs> for sure. I, I mean, I, Michael Jordan has all these quotes about failing and, you know, and uh, he's right. Like, even the, the great people have just failed more times because they've succeeded more times because they just keep trying and trying and trying. Uh, Henry Ford, um, you know, how many times did he make a car? Uh, Thomas Edison, how many how many light bulbs did he yeah. make? Like, holy exactly. moly. Um, you know, these are people that just kept trying. So persevere. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sharon. Um, mm -hmm. Phenomenal interview with you. At, and I love asking questions, especially when it gets into the, the down and the dirty of the work <laughs> itself, as well as, you know, running a business. Um, I would love for you to share any final words you want to tell us about that awesome book behind you there. And um, sure. and let our listeners and um, viewers know because it's going to be exciting, um, especially that everybody knows somebody in the Silver Tsunami group, but also to get yourself thinking about what is it that I need to do to live a more calmer, peaceful life, and it might be downsizing, it might be using some of the tips that you know Sharon has you shared with you to really create that space in which you thrive. Yeah, so um, so we have the new book coming out. It's right behind me, but if you can't see that, here it is, Downsizing the Silver Tsunami. Um, and it's available on Amazon. It is available via Kindle right now uh, for 99 cents. So um, until February 19th. So from February 5th to February 19th, it's 99 cents. That's our, uh, we're creating some bestseller stuff. And uh, so you can go grab it. Uh, right now or the if you really need the print version you can pre-order the print version and that comes out on February 19th awesome so. awesome Sharon any final words or words of wisdom there for our uh, viewers listeners of how to stay in touch with you and any final words of advice sure just visit our website um, and I uh, you know we're a small team so chances of me seeing your email are fairly high uh, it doesn't mean that I see all of them, but I do see a, a good portion of emails that do come through our website. So, uh, so feel free to email us. Uh, you can request a consultation, even if you live in a different state. Um, we can do consultations remotely. So that's kind of a cool thing. Um, and you can go follow us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn. Uh, we're all over the place. So just go find us. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sharon. Um, for being such an honored guest on our show. For everyone, thank you so, so much. Right back at you. Um, thank you for listening. And we'd love for you to go over to iTunes. Give us a five-star high five. Write us a review. You can also go over to www.debrakazowski.com where you can sign up for your Success Secrets newsletter so you don't miss a beat about the latest podcast we got courses, workshops going on to help you live your life rich from the inside out. And as Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And Sharon and I wish you to make every day great. <laughs>